welcome back to In The Way. This is Jeff, and we're on part two of our conversation with Pastor Sam from Hope Commons in Chico, um, talking about 12 steps, 12-step programs, um, the 12 steps from AA, and uh, trying to look into how all of that um, informs and, and can kind of shift and shape the way that we do discipleship. So if you haven't heard the first hour, I really encourage you to go back and listen to part one. But if so, and you're ready to keep going with us, let's, uh, let's dive back in here and hear what Sam has to say. What would you say is the difference? Like, is it you know, what's what's the difference between a 12-step group, mm-hmm. other than the words on the front of the book, um, <clears throat> you know, and like a, and a Bible study? Mm. Like, why why is there such a difference in impact um, for the people who are really committed to that Bible study and the people who are really, because you're always going to have people on the fringes who kind of mm. aren't really moved by either. But, but the people who actually lock in and say, I'm here every Wednesday at seven o'clock. Mm. Um, one is a 12 step group. One is a Bible study. Mm. What makes the difference? I think it's a desperation and honesty, like a, a culture of, yeah. of, of deep transparency. Yeah. I wonder, oh man. Yeah. Cause the stakes are so high. Yeah, in, totally. In addiction situations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you start with we were going to die. <laughs> yeah, like, if I'm not here, I'm I'm dead. Yeah, or there there are the spouses. If they don't get it together, the spouse yeah. is going to leave them. Yeah. or um, yeah, parents going to kick me out. Wherever they're at, the stakes stakes are high, and and that's and that's really fertile ground to work with. Mm. I'm I'm feeling so convicted. <laughs> because of how what that i mean that speaks really well to you know 12 step groups but mm-hmm. what it says about the church is we don't actually think the stakes are that high a lot of the time right like we could just go ahead and do this the way we're doing it and at the end of my life i'm a middle class guy with kids who probably mostly love me and some people will come to my funeral like, you know, and, and we, we've got to figure out a way to talk about this stuff. Like, mm. what are we actually missing out on when we are just sort of like dilly dally around with sin mm. and right. And the stuff that like consumes and, mm. and, and sometimes it doesn't like consume and overwhelm us. Mm. Right. Sometimes the strategy of sin is just to hang on <laughs> without fully overwhelming, but totally. to let you think you're still in charge. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also very convicted of that. Um, mm. I work with youth. And so when you, when you think about like the, the level of desperation, like how, how polar opposite it is, like the, the average can a youth group they they come because it's fun or their parents make it make them come and and I'm I'm happy that they're there and I right. love it and I and I try my best anyways um, 
And so the person who shows up to Serenity or 12-step recovery group, uh, they're they're either already in a program and they're like, oh, this is a good place to continue to work my program or they're desperate and mm. they, they need, they need a change. And so it's, that, that's something I, I also wrestle with a lot. Like, and how, like, how do you get these teens over here without the pain and suffering and desperation that, that, you know, that and, and you know we only catch a small percentage of people like out of their addiction too so mm. it's not like it's not like everyone who struggles with addiction ends up you know in recovery it's like a, a pretty small percentage does wow and so as as good of a job you know it 12 step recovery does it you know uh, anything less than 100% success rate is is um should be considered un- unacceptable mm. by our community. Mm. We should we should all care about this because mm. the stakes are really high. Yeah, and we ought to have the yeah, and we ought to have the same attitude towards sin. We ought to have the same attitude. Mm. You know, sure. um, I'm uh, yeah, but sometimes our church, like the discipleship cultures in our churches, are mm. about producing people who don't offend us <laughs> right and you know maybe we don't say it mm-hmm. so explicitly but have the mm-hmm. same politics or essentially sort of match our um match our vision of who we want to hang out with on weekends totally you know and and if that doesn't work we just say well then let's just move move mm-hmm. you on maybe there's another place for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a really sad reality of it but when you're in a, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in a place like Serenity, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you voted for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, I mean, all of that stuff is so, um, not that it's immaterial, but it's it's not, it, it loses its its relevance mm-hmm. because of the stakes. Um, right. And, uh, it, it, yeah. it, and, I, and I do think the... I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, a church scholar, right? I've only been a believer seven years, yeah. but I do see like that start to be more the attitude of of the church that um, I, I don't think you care who what church your neighbor goes to, right? I, I think anytime you hear like, oh, they're they're part of the kingdom of God, and they might not do it the way I want to do it, like you're probably just like right on. I'm 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 glad there's there's mm. someone out there doing it, right? And and I, I, yeah, and I think in um, in recovery, there's yeah, like deep deep camaraderie of that. Yeah, where, where it's like, oh, you know, you don't have it all figured out. That's okay because you're in you're in this battle and you're yes. in this fight, and hang on because it's a uh, because it gets better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear that. I mean, I I can get kind of cynical about the church sometimes, but it's it is it's good to know and 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 uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're not fighting over turf the same way we used to. Sure, exactly. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think that's a good thing. That's uh, a great thing. <laughs> um, I, I just uh, Andy just turned me on to. I'm assuming this one. No, another pastor here yeah, at the pa- Pastor Andy. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, do you know uh, Mark Sayers? Mm-hmm. Hey, just came out with a new book and 
called a non-anxious presence, like our job as leaders, um, moving forward, moving the church forward in the future instead of, uh, you know, you know, he calls like the time we're in like a gray zone mm. and we're, where we've uh, we've changed from how things were, and it's going to be something completely different. And yeah, we're not there yet, and the temptation is to uh, is to be sucked into like the John MacArthur types who are who will you know tell you like you should be freaking out, you should be uh, you know, right, you should be uh, watching the news, ter- you know, uh, yeah, making, you, making you should be terrified, yeah, <laughs> making predictions on what a you know what part of revelations we're in um <laughs> but it, it instead to be a uh to be a non-anxious presence who mm-hmm. uh who um affirms that that our our god is the one who um uses times like these to form and strengthen mm-hmm. a people just like babylon or egypt or so it's a it's a really short read. If you okay, get motivated. It's Mark Sayers. Yeah, not yeah. anxious presence. That's good. Yeah, I felt I felt really. I don't know. I I like we we had a trip down to San Francisco um, Tuesday for um, IVF appointment, and it was like I listened to it on the ride there and back. It was super short. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So then when you're in those, when you're in that, <clears throat> you're in the, tw- you're in the steps, you're working mm-hmm. your program and then there's kind of those, um, and it kind of takes however long it takes, right? To go through them. It's not like you don't graduate and get the certificate and move on. Um, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some, some people drag it out for years yeah. and will never actually do it. Some, um, I, like when I, when I work with someone, I, I, attempt to do it in three months the all 12 steps Um, nine steps and then 10 11 and 12 you do you do every day got it and and if you have the capacity you should do them even if you've never done the other steps just because it's really healthy to you know admit when you're wrong and seek god and and serve your community it's almost like you know not (laughs) letting the sun go down on your anger and uh and praying and reading scripture like you said and mm-hmm. evangelism and mm-hmm. and service and yeah yeah it's, it's pretty just easy to see how there are parallels there with ministry oh yeah. um what what are the um so when you're working with somebody mm-hmm. in a 12-step situation or a recovery situation what are the parallels between that and um you know a new christian shows up at church and is like I need somebody to show me how to do this. Um, I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit that sort mm-hmm. of sponsor discipler. There's a, there's some parallels there, right? Between being a, um, yeah, totally. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> see, there, there's a, there's like a, a, a Ray Vandalon teaching that I, I love. It's called in the dust of the rabbi. Hmm. And yeah. He he talks about the um, the master um, student relationship, like in in Jesus's time, the uh, you know where where the 
the um, you know a, a student who wants to become a disciple of a master, he'll apply to become one, and if he is the absolute best of the best, he will you know may, he'll maybe get you know con- con- he might become a disciple of this teacher, and he will and he will get to learn from the teacher, and the teacher will show him everything they know and. It communicates something when you accept someone to be your disciple, and that's uh, that. You know, mm. I I believe you can you can learn to do what I'm doing. Mm. And so what what Jesus does is incredibly interesting, right? He he picks, uh, you know, he he picks uh, the outcasts of society. Um, he picks uh, people who are dropouts. People, you know, people. People like me, right? And he um, and he teaches them how to walk and talk and act like him, mm. live like him. Mm. And then Jesus tells him, or Jesus tells his disciples, he tells them to go make disciples of all nations, to go teach mm. them to do what what I what I have showed you. And the so the beauty of 12-step recovery is that it you know it anyone who struggles with addiction can help another person who struggles with addiction they, they they can teach them to do what worked for for them right? mm. i could teach anybody to do what worked for me it's it's written out someone figured it out you know 100 years ago and it's incredible and people's lives are saved constantly hmm. So the the exact um, method can be used for for absolutely anybody hmm. in in the church. Um, it just has to be called something different. <laughs> hmm. It uh. So if if there is a new person who shows up, um, who is interested in faith and is willing to you know and is willing to be honest, going like, oh, like I thought I had it all figured out. I don't. I want to. Uh, I want to learn to do what you're doing. Like, you could absolutely teach them. Hmm. Like you, you could teach them using kind of like a. There's a Francis Chan book called um, Multiply that. You know, over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it work, works incredibly well. It's what hmm. it's what I use with uh, students. It it covers um, covers all all that and it's really lengthy it'd be way easier if they were just an addict or alcoholic when they walked in (laughs) because the depth of the redemption is so deep is that the like takes a long time because there's there's so much for god to transform or like what makes it so lengthy oh um i was saying like it's more lengthy to use multiply than it is to oh I to, see to uh, work the, the twelve steps. steps fit on one page yeah if, uh, one yeah it's <laughs> twelve sentences yeah <laughs> I see what you're saying yeah okay um yeah we we definitely um there's a there's a uh, a tightness to the twelve mm-hmm. steps that we seem to kind of miss sometimes um, in our discipleship where mm-hmm. it's like oh well you got to come and go to this Bible study and learn all these things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to know the Bible the same way I know the Bible. And then pretty soon we're lost in like why these other Christian groups are wrong. And then we never get back to 
Christ. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We never get back to getting the rabbi's dust on us. Mm, and, sure. You know, um, just recognizing that, yeah, this is all a follow me as I follow Christ. Like, this is all a, a master-apprentice mm. relationship. Um, totally. So, so the, the question is, is how can we... Or I, I guess question is, is it good to use this information with with the average Joe in, mm-hmm. in the church? And if so, how can we communicate it to someone who doesn't, you know, doesn't have a problem? Hmm. You know, even though everyone has some sort of issue and with with something, but um you know, let's say it takes someone at your church who's been enormously successful and they're and their kids love them and, you know, aren't having issues with um, or aren't willing to talk about any sort of issues with drinking or drugs or pornography or food or or lust or what, whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how, how can we compel them to work the steps and live a lifestyle of mm. of service that the lifestyle of, of this sanctified person that it, mm. that it cranks out. Mm. That's really, that's a really good question to spend your life answering. Um, yeah. I was, I was hoping we'd, we'd have a book by the yeah. time we're done. <laughs> we might have a good idea. <laughs> I, I've got, I've got quite a bit of space on this recording disc, so we might just get an audio book out of this. Um, <clears throat> You know, um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm compelled by a couple things. I'm, I'm really compelled by the fact that our theology just matches this so much and not to get too lost in that, but like in our, I say not just our theology, our history, mm-hmm. you know, what John Wesley at Oxford was gathered with a bunch of students and all that they were doing was producing a fearless and searching moral inventory of their lives. Right. His like holy club that he had to get, you know, they've got they had 18 or 22 questions, whatever they mm-hmm. would ask each other. And and it was like every week we're going to do this like really intense, fearless, moral inventory of who we are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. So the um, so the 12 step literature doesn't have a lot of information about how to run groups. Uh-huh. But have, have you ever attended a I've been meeting. to an Al-Anon meeting, okay. um, and I've kind of been around some NA meetings and things like that. But, okay. Yeah. So, so the the level of transparency that is goes on in the meeting, people, what you know, they might be having like a good day and and share that, or they might you know, or their world might be falling apart, and and then there's people who you know they wait all week to to come and confess their their sins to mm. to the group right because what you know James 5:16 is confess your sins to one another and you so you can be healed and there's there's something about um you know that John Wesley the holy club knew is that when yeah when you're honest about your walk that's that's where the healing is when when we can be accountable to one another uh, with with what we've been struggling with, 
and areas we were falling short of the kind of image bearers that we that you know God calls us to be. When we have a space to to do that, we we find healing, mm. um, and that's something. Yeah, so that's something they 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 do in twelve step recovery so well that um, I think. I think our church. I think. I think that is one. If there's a beachhead, let's say, with yeah. with a recovery, we were we were to take. I think that would be a good place to start. Would be how how to make our small groups resemble the kind of um, hmm. transparency and healing that we see through through recovery. Tell me if I have this. If I'm messing this up, but I I feel like one of the things that gets in our way is we we try to fix those problems too quick even if somebody so if somebody does come really honest um um cuz I, I i guess i guess what i'm saying is like if you go to a recovery meeting there's space to be exactly who you are whether you're con- talking about i relapsed um, you know, you don't like lose, you don't lose your place in the meeting because you screwed up. Right. Right. Um, there's, there's space and encouragement for that kind of honesty. Um, mm. is that, is that true? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, certainly that's true. That, uh, it's, yeah, like it's, you, you don't interact with, with people's whatever they share that um it's a open space to um yeah to just share where 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 i'm at with my walk with god and working the steps and and the the things in which uh hinder me from from you know being the kind of person who who walks out the fruits of the spirit Mm. Hmm. and what's um yeah and so, of of course, that's that'd be really challenging for for our church to to um, to embrace as far as um, training people who've been taught their whole lives that church is not a safe place hmm. to be yourself or to admit where you screwed up because you know maybe they're raised where their parent was a you know a deacon I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and you can't make them look bad mm. or it would make your grandma's heart if she learned, you know, break their, her heart. If, if she learned you screwed up in this way or that way and we, um, and so what, 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 what we do when we're not, when we're not being honest, like with, uh, with each other is we. We hinder, we just hinder healing between mm. us and God, and us and our our community, and mm. our communities. You know, we're the we're the ultimate expression of of God's temple, right? Mm. We we are we are you know us as a as a whole community are the is the place that everyone outside of our community can can come for should be able to come for that healing and grace and for saving. And when we, 
aren't comfortable with that amongst ourselves. That's a it's mm. a problem. It's a big problem. I've been thinking a lot about this conversation about honesty and in particular radical honesty how we can well maybe the question is why why that's actually necessary it's uh, obviously something that we're talking about here in a recovery context but why is it so important in the church You'll hear some of my reflections in the podcast as as well as Sam's even better reflections (laughs) on why it matters so much. Um, But I heard a conversation with a guy named Vishal Mangalwadi. Uh, He's an Indian, Indian scholar of the Bible. And he tells uh, his story uh, about how it is that he came to the Bible rather than any other sacred text. What it was was the perspective of the Bible. Who it made look bad. You read other texts and they're trying to protect the priestly class or they're trying to protect the kings. Or they're trying to protect the common people. But when he came to the Bible, that's not what he found at all. He kept having to go back and read the, the historical books, First and Second Kings, Chronicles, and Samuel, to uh, try, try to understand what is the actual angle that this book wants to take. From his world, he was assuming that the priests were going to be making the kings look bad. And he found out that that wasn't really the case because the priests look bad too and then he thought well then the kings must be trying to make the priests look bad and then he discovered nope the kings actually look pretty terrible too and then thought well maybe it's the common people here that this is sort of history written from the bottom up and it's the common people who get it and everybody else at the top they look terrible and then he went and discovered again nope that's not it either and in fact this is one of the main evidences that historians will use to determine what or who is behind a text and it's for many people it's the reason that the scriptures are trustworthy it's because they're honest because you don't go through the prophets you don't go through the history you don't go through the law even and discover anybody who comes out looking good you go and read the gospels and what do we find we find especially in the gospel of mark for example that the disciples are embarrassing examples of what it is to follow jesus they are no kind of model for us and so what switched what changed that we thought the church was all of a sudden a place to protect our reputation. We felt like small groups and the places where we officially do discipleship 
We're a place for us to avoid radical honesty rather than figuring out how we lean into it. We might have any number of theories about what it is that actually shifted. They might be wrong, they might be right. I, I frankly don't especially care. What I am interested in is how do we get to a place where we can embrace not just the honesty of the 12-step programs. How can we embrace the kind of honesty that Scripture uses for itself? We tell the story in such a way that nobody comes out looking good except God. I can tell you I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress. But that's my heartfelt desire right now at this, this point where I am. My desire is that the story of my life would not be told in a way that preserves me, but that proclaims the goodness of God. When our churches are lit on fire with that truth, we can begin to discover some of that real transformation. We can begin to lean into the steps that, that open us up to the new creation work. not just available to us in Jesus. It's demanded of us by Jesus. Well, let's get back to what Sam has to say here. rest of the people in the meeting is that I don't know if there's there's rules or habits or yeah. whatever you call it around but um, you know you're not meant to kind of poke or prod or yeah um, it'd, it'd be like highly inappropriate I see to be like oh yeah me too or really oh you did what like it'd be <laughs> highly inappropriate okay. to talk about like, I guess it, it's less it's less inappropriate to go talk to them one on one about it yeah so that may be after the meeting, there's an interaction or mm -hmm. that's really something between them and their sponsor right. to work out. Sure. Um, and as far as how to deal with that and everything. and um, But yeah, that requires so much uh, self-control um, sure. on the part of people kind of sitting back and listening. Mm -hmm. And I had... <laughs> I. So often the character, and I say this like in the last couple months, multiple people have said this in groups mm -hmm. I've been a part of and, um, you know, where we're kind of sitting around talking and somebody goes, I really shouldn't say this, <laughs> but <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, right? If, if you shouldn't say it, don't say it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you're the one telling me you shouldn't say it. So I don't even need to hear what it is. Um, and 
and I sometimes I think we've just nurtured a culture sometimes in those groups where mm-hmm. it's like, um, I don't actually have anybody's well being in mind mm-hmm. necessarily. I'm sort of sharing this for some other reason. Mm-hmm. Um, where we've got like maybe I even know I'm not supposed to say it, and yes, and yet mm-hmm. I do because it's you know, and it's like, but we've got some we've got some self reflection mm-hmm. we need to <laughs> get out there if this is the character of these groups where we are ostensibly like doing discipleship. Right. Um, you know, are we in those groups becoming the kind of people mm. who have the dust of the rabbi on us mm. and who are helping other people get it on them? Mm. And if not, let's go home and, you know, watch <laughs> survivor or whatever, <laughs> like do, do something that's not going to hurt somebody else. Right. Instead of, mm. instead of, continuing to do this thing mm-hmm. um i don't know i yeah just that's fine find something that works yeah right um because the stakes are really high mm-hmm. <laughs> um the stakes are really high when it comes to mm-hmm. sin yeah you know and i the the other kind of piece there is like the john wesley piece and then um my i've been nazarene my whole life and um we go a few generations deep here and, mm-hmm. and um, it's like the early Nazarenes, um, what they got wrong that I think that um, 12 step stuff gets right is early Nazarenes had this sense of like, well, I'm going to confess my sin and I'm going to do all the way up through, you know, like um, step seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe step nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take it down to the altar and then I'm going to walk away and it's done. Right. Right. Like, and sometimes the hardest thing I think for Christians interacting with this stuff is the idea of I'm always an addict, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm 31 years clean, but I'm an addict. Totally. Um, and on the one hand, I get that, like there's victory. There ought to be some sense of victory here mm-hmm. and, and completion rather than always living in the gray. But, um there's an honesty in that that says like i know that until the new heavens and the new earth mm-hmm. come there's something in me that is drawn toward that and i don't have to say yes but it's drawn sure yeah it's like wait, so when you become sanctified sin no longer crouches at your door and tempts you like in every corner and that's it's not not true right right it's, it's still it's still there and yeah it, I, I i totally see what you mean then because uh, because it, it creates a culture um if if you're if you are like you know the um we're explaining like at step seven you're entirely sanctified and time to time to walk away and never right. look back it, it creates a culture of people were like you're not allowed to to acknowledge that um yeah that you that you screwed up and so then that sin festers because if you yeah when you have when you have secrets oh it's so bad oh. <laughs> and then it and then things become abusive mm-hmm. because you're you're dealing with those secrets in some sort of way but you've got to keep it over here in the shadows right. and then you you go minister to others and yeah, it's not it's not good for anybody. It's just so unhealthy and yeah. yeah. 
and you know, um, yeah. So all of that, um, there's an honesty about, about who we are. There's an honesty about who we might be mm-hmm. if we give up, um, if we give up these good life-giving practices, you know? Um, so if we don't continue to steps 10, 11, and 12, mm-hmm. If we don't continue to lean into those, mm-hmm. um, we could easily end up back in a situation where step one, our lives are unmanageable. Mm-hmm. This thing is on, you know, is, is over us. Um, but at the same time, it's not this sort of hopelessness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just just looking through this to, you know, just today. I, I'm like so impressed by um, step six. So we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character because that means that God can. Mm. If we're ready to have God remove all these defects, there's an immense, um, I don't know if you want to say like optimism or Mm. hope or what in that, that that we could actually have these defects of character removed. There's a self on the other side of all of this that is free (laughs) from defects and shortcomings. And it's not one we have to die Mm. in order to receive. Yeah, we don't we don't have to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, when Jesus sent us out, he really, you know, believed we can do it. Yeah, like he really thought we could be the kinds of people who, who um, walk and talk and act like him and teach other people to do the same. That it's a uh, yeah. There's there there's a wholeness to that, hmm. and um, and these these principles in the in the 12 steps provide really practical tools mm-hmm. to for us as a church that we can we can learn from to mm-hmm. to work on this to be the kind of to to be the beacon of hope mm. the uh, the kind of community that that draws people who want who want that hope who want that healing and want that transparency people like uh like me when when i was younger who who wanted joy and peace and wanted uh wanted to feel good and complete and you know use drugs to like learn how to do that on their own Mm. there's there's just countless people out there right now who um who don't see the church as that place. Hmm. And that's just an opportunity for us to to do that. Yeah. It's, it's an opportunity for us to to be that place. Yeah. Where 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 people can find that healing and community and and grow and do the people God made everyone to be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that's such a powerful insight that you you personally like you turn to that th- those things out of a legitimate desire right like a legitimate desire to feel the wholeness a, sure. a good a god-given desire yeah to feel like you're a part of something like you belong to a community i mean mm-hmm. all of that stuff and that the church can the church has that to offer <laughs> if we will admit <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right? We have that to offer, especially to young people who aren't. You, you mm-hmm. kind of s- talked about those those two steps at least. That like mm-hmm. it was like 
when drugs and alcohol were sort of solving those problems, mm. and then all of a sudden your life was the problems, right? Right. But before your life was the problems, um, theoretically, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone or something could have come in and said, mm-hmm. you know, there's an answer to all of this, and it's not drugs and alcohol, um, right? And it may not have been easy, but it would have been possible um, not to get lost in that in the first place, and and a church that's a, a vibrant community mm-hmm. of of people who love one another and serve one another and are open and honest, like we can, we can make that available to people. You know, we already have the buildings. Yeah. Right. We may, <laughs> let's, let's keep them and let's, uh, let's use them. Yeah. Right. We have the parking lots. We can right. move in the food trucks and <laughs> we get food trucks, <laughs> get a burrito, <laughs> some prayer. Yeah. But it, it takes a level of authenticity that hmm. a lot of us can't risk because our the sand castles of our identity. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they could stand up to some of that authenticity sometimes. Sure. Yeah, it you know when it it breaks my heart when I think about uh, you know some the 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 people out there who. Uh, you know, haven't had a lot of problems, haven't had a lot of need to uh, to to be authentic because for whatever reason they were able to just live good, decent lives. And um, it breaks my heart that uh, there's there's a world of um, like depth and a world of um, like I said, authenticity that that can that can be like sought or that that can be easily found when we're, when we do struggle, when Mm. we do, um, when we, when we are aware of all of our, our shortcomings Mm -hmm. and defects of character. And then we get to see God, God move in those areas and in ourselves and, and, and others. And, and I know there's people who are, who haven't had problems who, who don't get to experience it because like, Mm things have always been okay but mm. but they get to miss out on uh on on the part where you get sanctified to go serve yeah others yeah two two thoughts there the one is i you know we always use that verse from romans all have sinned and fallen short of the glory mm-hmm. of god i don't know that we ever hear i'm just thinking right now mm-hmm. as you're talking we always hear the first half of that all have sinned mm-hmm. but to what extent do we, like, even the sort of, like, normie nice guys, the Ned Flanders of the world, um, who don't have the tragedy, right? They haven't fallen so low, and so they then can't rise so high, or however we want to sure, talk about that sure. stuff. Like, it's not just about whether we've sinned, mm-hmm. whether we've got these black marks on our record. We have fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so, really, whether you're in a, whether you're moldering in a jail cell... right. Or, you know, you're, you're working your nice, cushy job, driving your whatever you're driving mm-hmm. with a 2.5 kids and a picket <clears throat> fence and all this stuff. Neither one of you are actually closer to the glory <laughs> of God. <laughs> you know? And, right, right. And yeah, it's Jesus, in his eyes, it's, we're the same. Yeah. And this, this, like, this life of transformation is not just about cleansing our past, mm-hmm. dealing with our guilt. This life of transformation is about moving into communion with with the infinite. Right. And and so the only 
what's st- what stands in between mm. is how honest we are mm. about our shortcoming there not you know how many beers have you drank um or can you count them on one hand or you know do you need your toes too <laughs> uh, in the course of your life and i, I just like when we get that through our heads, that this is about recovering mm. the glory of God, which is given to us in Christ, mm. that that the infinite God, who is love, has become a human being, mm. and in doing so, has has brought heaven down, mm. <laughs> so that we can walk in it even now. Um, I just it it relativizes. Mm. All of the stuff we think about, I think, uh, in so many of the churches and groups and stuff that I've been a part of. Um, I know all the other churches I'm talking to are all, they've all got it down, but the ones that I've seen and known in my <laughs> life. Wow. There's a, I've been reading some Eastern Orthodox guys, and um, one of the, I guess you say, you could say, knocks or whatever one of the weird things about orthodoxy sometimes they're always praying this prayer lord have mercy right <laughs> you know constantly like, lord have mercy like lord uncle have mercy. jesse yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and it's like okay a you know how many times do you have to ask for forgiveness how many times do you have to ask for mercy um how many times you know how much because mm. they would essentially say you can't ask for it enough and so on the one hand you can look at that and go like okay there's this sense of like, I've never been forgiven. Mm. I have to continually be living this life where I'm asking of mm. mercy. Like Christ never actually, I never, I never like achieve forgiveness mm. status. Right. Yeah. So that's the one way to look at it. When you go and see what they actually mm. say, that what they say is, look, the prayer, Lord have mercy is the same. Like it's both a backward looking prayer of Lord, forgive me for the things yeah, that I've yeah. done. It's also a forward-looking mm. prayer of saying, Lord, pull me closer to yourself. Mm. Whether what stands in the way is my own shortcomings mm. and defects, or whether what stands in the way is the actual like list of things that I have, mm. the wrongs that I've committed. Sure. Um, so even when all my wrongs have been dealt with, I still need to pray, Lord, have mercy. Mm. Um, just out of this sense of like, you know, draw me into the infinite depth of your son, Jesus, pull me into the mystery of the cross and the resurrection. Um, it's, it's all the same words, (laughs) um, regardless of where we are sort of on that spiritual walk. Um, yeah. And it's the, and it's the great equalizer because we all, we all need mercy. We all need to say, Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. And it's, a. you know, in, in dialogue with uh, the 12 steps, it's easy to be like, oh, you either need them or, or you don't. But the reality is we all need to be sanctified. Mm. Uh, that's, we all, uh, we all will benefit immensely and mm. from it and our community will benefit from it. And so, so how do we, uh, yeah, the, the thing that's working for these extreme group of people how can we, how can I apply this to my youth group and yeah. our, um, our, our cool Bible study that happens Wednesday nights that's ladies and, yeah. um, how, how, because we all, 
we all need this. Mm. We all we all need that that equalizing mercy because we all we all fall short and we all have pro- we all have a sin problem. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless <clears throat> of whether our addiction is a chemical, mm. whether it's a um you know, like like you say, like pornography or relationships or um all of that, it's um these these steps have a have kind of a spiritual insight um that we can lean into regardless of the regardless of the the label on the problem <laughs> right definitely um, yeah. and i think yeah so the the areas of honesty and transparency and um and need for mercy hmm. be the uh yeah the areas of like okay how do we how do we apply that to our small groups? Yeah. How do we, uh, how do we, how do we teach, how do we talk about this and how do we uh, teach others to start talking like this? Hmm. It's great. You know, my, like my wife's in recovery and this, this is the way we, we, we dialogue 12 steps, like in, in our relationship. Okay. Um, Pastor Ron is like, he's incredible about teaching, teaching the 12 steps that um, he, he will apply them in most sermons. Like some some principle from twelve step recovery will uh, will will find its way in there, hmm. which is, which is really really neat. And yeah. So, um, the group you let's see, do you run it or do you the? Yeah, the I um owner operator. Uh, what's your? I, I sound like the manager. No, it's okay. Uh, so it's, my life's unmanageable, but I manage that group. <laughs> so it's a, it, it's really a collaboration, and it's it's called Serenity. It meets here Mondays at at six p.m. It was uh, our group was it was planted from Pastor Dale Marsh, who's a who's a mentor of mine. And um, cool, cool story about Dale's. Um, so my and Dale Marsh is in Orville. If in, anybody is in Orville, yeah, Dale Marsh Orville. He's He's, he's the coolest. <laughs> um, cool story is like some my sponsor, Martin, who uh, is one of the best people I've ever met. And, uh, you know, when he was, you know, very early in recovery, it was Dale Marsh who came to his sober living house and um, and taught him 12 step recovery and hmm. and. Uh, taught him about Jesus mm. and baptized him. And, mm. and so there would be, there'd be no Martin without, without Dale. Hmm. I know Sam. Yeah. <laughs> no Sam without, <laughs> without a uh, Martin. Yeah. Hmm. And so, um, so those meet Mondays at six here in Chico. Oh, yeah. Why I brought up Dale was, uh, so, oh, yeah. da- so it's um, serenity. It's, it's a model that, that, uh, Dale helped us plant and gave us all the all the information we need, and we just kind of um, that was about eight years ago, and kind of took the ball and, and ran with it, and um, so we're we are connected with them, and so we we start it's hour and a half service. It starts with uh, worship music, do a couple songs, um, usually 
Pastor Ron or Andy, they'll they'll come in and just and just rock it. But there's a there's a good collaboration of people who 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 do that. And then there's there's about six teachers who will who will then do a a lesson based on based on the twelve steps and the biblical principles that that um that make them sound. So they're not just practical advice. It's going like, okay, this is where this was taken out of the Bible. And here's a here's an excellent uh, story that that um, that reflects this principle. And so, um, and then we'll break out into into small groups where where we get to you know experience that transparency that I was telling you about. And we split up men and women because it, that makes all all the difference in the world. What a what uh, a male is willing to share in front of ladies and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, it's a uh, it's an incredible ministry that hmm. that everyone here is just super proud of, and there's a lot there's a lot of people who work hard who who um, work hard at collaborating and teaching and, hmm. and leading worship and leading small groups and um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Is this something that if people were interested and wanted to get going in their churches, um, is that possible? It's possible. You should totally do it. Yeah. It's um. <laughs> so let's see. It it takes. So so to interact with the recovery community, mm-hmm. um. I I believe that um a if if one starts a, a recovery group that they need to have like a strong footing in it. They need to have good good knowledge and experience, and um and the ability to network amongst other groups because because to uh, some people in in AA that you know it's a it's a bold claim to say that oh Jesus is mm. is the god that they're talking about mm. he is the one who's going to heal you he's the one who's going to meet you in this process and change you he's the one you're praying to and it's a it's a that's a a different claim that we're making than than other groups um the thing is that the literature and the program itself makes that claim but mm-hmm. but as far as the group conscience in let's say AA, it's a it's a little different um so that that's one thing one needs um other than that just the desire to be steadfast and mm. and willingness to just show up that it take people in recovery it takes them a long time to like deal with change to to learn well, if something new happens mm-hmm. it'll take it'll take a year before anyone knows about it like if you start a new meeting or if you change the day or the time hmm. it's just, it's just kind of how it works and hmm. and so I, I i believe any there's any, a community that responds to change slower than the church <laughs> yes okay it's good to know <laughs> definitely <laughs> so what um the the gift that I think serenity gives our church is it 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 attracts people to serenity who um, who don't typically attend church or don't typically attend our church and um, but are ready to talk about Jesus hmm. and and it's a safe place and they get to meet pastors and um and go, oh, you know, these other people attend church, and I'm welcome here. And it's a, it's a very soft opening into into our regular church community, which 
which happens which happens all the time hmm. and and then it also has the the reverse effect on the people attending church is that it draws it draws people who maybe are finally ready to talk about some addictions and they might start coming to the recovery meeting um it also educates you know our our community about about recovery it um it it's definitely like a a tool that every, everything we've been talking about today like with with uh with the 12 steps and wanting to having the desire to introduce them to the church as a whole it definitely does that organically hmm. by by just existing hmm. by being a, a place that's attractive and safe it opens all sorts of doors with people who are already attending and and acts as a vacuum for people who might start hmm. Hmm. that's awesome that is yeah that's really beautiful um exciting i'm glad to hear what's what's going on here i hope that uh um yeah i i i hope this helps people get um just get a sense of like the recovery community is not something to be afraid of um in fact it's quite the opposite (laughs) we've got a lot to learn from them in the church and as disciplers and um and and we have a lot to, uh, we also have a lot to offer them, um, you know, because there are some holes mm. in, I mean, well, in the fact that just being able to say Jesus is the one who heals, <laughs> right? Sure. Is, um, and, and Jesus mm. is the one who heals regardless of who or what you think is your higher power. Sure. Um, you can slap another name on it, but all good things mm-hmm. come from above. Um, totally. And so... So all recovery yeah. is ultimately Christ's recovery. Um, we yeah. sometimes talk about in, in our church, we have this sort of value of like all things praiseworthy. Mm-hmm. Anything good happening in the community, um, yeah. we want to be able to point to and say, that's Jesus. You may not know it, but that's Jesus. And so so let's lift it up. I love it. Um, and <clears throat> if that's an addict getting clean, if that is good art, mm-hmm. um, if that's somebody finally fixing a bike lane, you know all this kind of stuff. Like that's that's the work of God because all good things come from mm-hmm. from the Father, and so we can. I think we can take that really confidently mm-hmm. into recovery spaces, um, in addition to our own honesty, and just say like, "Yeah, we want to we want to be where Jesus is." So it's a good totally. place to be. Totally. And if I if I if I can add one more thing, um, yeah, please. You know, I I think the. You know, it's, it's, no, it's no secret we're in a absolute drug epidemic with uh, fentanyl and meth, and it's been it's been slowly getting worse, and drugs are getting cheaper and more available. It's a problem that's not going away. This homelessness uh, that uh, I'd say the church has a duty to uh, mm. get in the middle of it and um, help help be the the people who point to jesus that he's he's the source that can be the healing for them mm-hmm. and you know we're, we're not going to do that on street corners holding signs that's not that's not going to do the trick this is going to take our whole community gathering together 
and for being in relationship with people in recovery and and providing uh, opportunities for for people in you know in recovery and people needing a change in their lives because mm. uh um you know pe- people who are uh, you know at a tender churches own own homes that they can rent out to people who need a second chance or own businesses that uh, mm-hmm. they can provide a part-time job with that could dramatically change the course of someone's life when they're when they're working hard to get their act together and so i i i do believe I feel like i've spent too much time being like oh like you know the church needs to adapt my my paradigm of 12-step recovery and i, I really hope I didn't, I didn't come across too strong with that um i do think the the church does need to find the problem and get in the middle of it yeah yeah well and i i mean i've heard dale say this too like the 12 steps ultimately <laughs> come from scripture. Right. So us going to the 12 steps <laughs> is not about like us going to this foreign thing. It's about grabbing onto something that somebody else had to recover because for whatever reason we forgot or abandoned it. Absolutely. Uh, totally. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, re- it's some, it's someone outside of us reminding us who we are. And, um, and that's so, mm-hmm. yeah. that and, and then there is this sort of return where the church can be of service mm. um, and and get in the middle of the problem, and that's exactly that's exactly what we're here for, um, you know, is to be. Um, and I I think I think that's what people want, you know. Um, mo- most folks most folks don't want to kind of be in a Sunday morning holy huddle. We end up there because we don't know what else to do, and um, I what I love about this it's like it it gives us a little bit of that you know here's what else um, right and so. this yeah yeah <laughs> so oh man that that's so great um, I really thank you for your time and um, and being willing to share personally you know um, um, makes a difference. And so appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Anything honor, else? Honor, honored to be here. God is good. God is good. All right. Let's do this. Mm-hmm.